0: and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit Zwiggroup.com for more information. The Zweig Group team looks forward to welcoming you.
1: Welcome to the Letter Podcast. Putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear. Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time.
0: Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today. As I always am, I've got a great episode for you today. I want to first give a shout out to the folks at Brand Groupies. Lauren Genest has been a great follower of the podcast, and I really appreciate her and her team. They have brought together several great individuals to come on this podcast over the past couple of years, and these next group of gentlemen are no exception to that rule. And so without further ado, I want to welcome to the Zweig Podcast, Bill Mandara, who is CEO and a co-owner of Mancini Duffy, Ben Alper, who is the Associate Principal at Severud Associates, and Joe Levy, who is the project manager from Pavarini McGovern. And we're excited to have these three gentlemen on the podcast today to talk about a project that I was aware of and I knew a little bit about, but I didn't know a lot about. I had to do a little bit of research on the TSX Broadway project in Times Square. And it's monumental for a number of reasons. And these I want to put it out there right up front is that these guys that I'm talking to aren't the only ones that are party to this wonderful project, but they are the three that I was able to corral to sit down with me and learn a little bit more about how this TSX Broadway project came about and ultimately, hopefully what it's in use might be at some point in time down the road. But the bottom line is that the TSX Broadway project is located probably on one of the busiest intersections in Manhattan, which is probably one of the busiest intersections in the world. And it's being transformed into a entertainment driven destination that will hopefully redefine how people engage with Times Square. And if you've ever been to Times Square, you'll know that it is, and it is an amazing site to take in. And most people, when they visit New York City, that's one of the first places that they go to Times Square because you see it during the the videos and the production whenever they do the dropping up the ball during New Year's, and then it's there's it's usually in so many iconic spots and movies. You saw it represented in that Will Smith movie many years ago when he was the last man living there in New York City. And Times Square is just an amazing place. And I would have to say that anytime you do any type of building. In New York City, it takes a major group of people to come together and be in agreement. And on top of having all of the legal ramifications covered to make sure that you can do what you're going to do. And these guys were kind enough to come together today to talk with us a little bit about the TSX Broadway project, which essentially lifted a building up. And then I'll let them tell the whole story. But without further ado, I want to welcome Ben, Bill, and Joe to the podcast. How are you guys doing today?
2: Doing well. Thank you, Romney. Doing great. Thanks for having us on. When you mentioned I Am, was it I Am Legend, the Will Smith movie? Yeah. Uh, mo- that's the movie. Most of the team during some of the darker days of COVID was still over there working on it, plowing through, which really deserves mentioning. And it did, it was a little bit reminiscent of that movie.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah. Because everything was like, there was nothing going on, right? In Midtown Manhattan, there was no real activity. And I talked to a bunch of my friends that are from the city and they said, man, this, I've never seen New York City like this. And so I can only imagine what that was like. Bill, since you, you first spoke up, why don't you (laughs) give us a quick introduction to the TSX Broadway project? And then I'm going to, I'm going to hear from Ben and Joe as well. Sure. We could go
2: on for hours about it, but the, the kind of reader's digest version of it is that. What we did was there was a double tree hotel that was built above the palace theater. Some, sometime in the eighties. And what ha- what we did was we removed the Doubletree tree hotel. We took the palace theater. And we raised it 30 feet. That required a lot of very complicated engineering, which ostensibly we had to do that. We scooped out two subs, two cellar, a cellar and a sub cellar in order to jack it up 30 feet in the air and then create an entire new space around it which is inclusive of retail space, entertainment space, a stage that opens to Times Square, or a yeah, stage with doors that open inward to Times Square, and created a new story, a new hotel above. That's a really quick version of it. But as you can imagine, it's, you know, representatives of three of the folks working on it here, there was a much larger team on the consultant end Mancini, we were the exec, we are the executive architect as well as a design architect for the front of house, back of house, theater space, and others. But PDBW was in, was the architect for the restoration of the theater box itself. And Perkins Eastman did the was the designer of the facade, while Wimberly was the designer of the hotel rooms. And then on the mechanical end, we had Cosentini, we had Ben's Group working with Urban Foundations to figure out how to lift this whole thing, which these guys can get into a little bit more hanging on there for the scope of, for all the scope of excavation work. So there's, it was a very large team, still is a large team that all coexists in a field
0: office about two blocks away. Wow. And when I was originally doing my research on it, this project took seven years. You guys are almost at the, I guess if I could use a football analogy, you maybe you're on the five yard line and you're about to run this into the end zone. Is that, would you say we're on the five yard line band?
2: I'd say we're on like the third yard line and it's first down, so we're in good shape.
3: Okay. Yeah. We're basically there. That that thing's lifted and it's done that. good to go. The finishes on that theater are just being finalized and being little touches being done and it, it done. It's not just a concept or an idea,
0: it's complete. Yeah. The whole building is really just the final little touches. Wow. Oh. I know when people listening to this, there's a lot of people that obviously have you've seen houses lifted up, right? But we're talking about a whole building lifted up. Would you guys want to maybe talk about or expand upon just that whole concept of lifting a building. It's been done before. It's not like it hasn't been done, but I don't know that it's been done on the scale that you guys lifted a building, or was it ever done in a place as congested of an area as where you did this in Midtown Manning?
2: I'm going to let these guys speak to that, but real quick, just one thing that's also important to mention there is that we basically had to lift this theater within the building that existed. Because the existing building, one thing I failed to mention, was overbuilt by current day zoning regulations. So, in order to not lose all of the overbuilt floor area, we had to make this an alteration, which required us to keep twenty-five percent of the floor area of the existing building. These guys get it. We had to make a pocket in which this building would go, all while keeping twenty-five percent of the existing building. Wow.
4: I'm, awesome. glad, I'm glad you brought that up, Bill. I'm sorry for interrupting. Actually, probably one of the most complicated aspects of the job was not. Obviously the theater lift, but equally as complex as retaining the slab sections in the existing building to obtain the permit or attain the permitting requirements, I think it's important to really understand the breadth of the project. And part of that is to understand how the original structure was built. The original Double Tree Hotel was a 43 story hotel that was bridged over the existing Palace There was a bridge at, where was it, the seventh floor. And extended it up to the the existing ninth floor. And when we took this project on, the intent was to create a pocket underneath the existing underneath the existing hotel into which that theater could be lifted, and at the same time retain the floors from nine up to sixteen without demolishing. So there's yes, the theater lift and all the aspects of the theater lift look complex, but there are so many other parts and pieces surrounding that theater. The entire structure, the box, which was surrounding that that theater, which remained in place at the time of the theater lift, which had to be stabilized, structurally rebuilt. So if you can imagine, while the entire excavation was occurring below the theater, we were building the entire tower around the sides of the theater and above. So by the time the theater was lifted, pocket
3: had been created above the theater and the entire tower was fully assembled. Jeez. Not not to mention that we then, as Bill said, we dug out another basement below the theater. So as you can imagine, you're holding this thing up on stilt and you're like digging out around the legs while you're trying to hold it and then lift it eventually. So there's a lot of things moving up, things moving down,
0: just a lot of moving parts to try to create this. Extraordinarily high stakes Jenga. Yeah. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. I'm assuming that the building was vacant, right? Well, yes. Yeah. it was. Okay. How long has the building been vacant? I think since the last, the last musical
2: that was in the theater was the SpongeBob SquarePants mm-hmm. musical, which was an illustrious event. But
0: yeah, oh. what was that? Like 18, I think? Okay. So it's been a while. So it's just, a, it's just, it's been biding its time, basically. It was vacated for this project. For we, project.
3: Spon- we actually had to wait for SpongeBob to finish before we could, could, could start our work. I went to the
0: last show. <laughs> <laughs> had
3: to chase Patrick out of there.
0: So tell me this what was it like coming together? All of these different groups. It's obviously not uncommon on a lot of major projects to have so many cooks in the kitchen, if you will, so many experts. What was it like for you guys coming together and how did the camaraderie build as you moved through this project?
4: Conversation started really about eight years ago, Benny, in terms of how this is coming together. You really had, really had to get all the right consultants and the right people into a room Then involved a combination of both Devroot, JD Duffy and also some of the key players being some of the elite, elite, leading subcontractors and trade contractors in New York City, getting their thoughts and ideas and understanding what's feasible, what's not. By the time we had gotten into construction, we knew we had the right people around to borrow for the superstructure concrete who has spread the projects underneath their belt, including the Django building and MoMA, a number of buildings in New York City, which are pretty significant and Urban Foundation and Engineering, obviously. Tony Mazzo and his team was the only foundation excavation subcontractor in New York City and possibly in the country for that matter that obviously moved the theater floor and done it successfully. And obviously, Benny, you could probably talk more to some of the earlier conversations that came about before I even started with
3: going back seven years ago. Yeah, we did this for a long time before. There was a lot of discussions and meetings. And I will say, is if you went back to those first concept sketches and then you look at what we actually was actually built and what was actually put together, it, it actually it looks completely different. It's it really we designed this thing and had Tony Tony from Urban and he had all these sketches and he came and then you know what that package was thrown away like five different times because every time now there's anything wrong with the person if you'd done it the first way probably been fine. But we just kept. We're looking at it and I don't think anyone was like, okay, we got it, let's just go with it. Everyone kept reevaluating it and looking at it and all working together and finding ways to make it better. One thing we did, there's obviously there's temporary structure that goes in and there's permanent structure. And we worked together to meld both together. So we used a lot of the permanent structure that needed to stay in, hold the theater permanently and we used it for the lift itself. And there was a lot of efficiency in that, cost savings and time savings. And that wasn't the, orig- the original plan. The original plan was for everything to be temporary. And just throw it out so th- that was the process. Like it, every time we looked at it and then we reevaluated it, found a better way to do it. And I think the pro- was, on product, all things considered, went real smooth. And I think testament to everyone's efforts. And realistically, there was probably at least a year of
2: coordination meetings between all the consultants early on in the process because we had to get this thing right before we started doing. It. And, and you mentioned team coming together early on. It was a little, as you can imagine, with, especially with a few different architects and Engineers who may sometimes compete against each other it was a little bit, it was a little bit tense to begin with, but uh, we worked through that all and eventually developed a good camaraderie.
3: We probably had a dozen different engineer, structural engineering firms doing different little pieces of this, yeah. us trying to get everyone to work their parts together. So it was very complicated. Normally a normal job, you have one or two engineers. We had dust again, all doing little different pieces. So that was certainly very
0: challenging. Yeah. I think in reality, as I hear you talk, and I'm sure as some of our listeners are listening, the real challenge is the managing and corralling of everybody together. Just getting everybody on the same team, lines of communication, avoiding scope creep, all of the typical things that we talk about for a project. I can only imagine that it was it was at a much higher level with this TASX Broadway project and what it represented. And, and certainly the stakes are high because you're doing it in, in an area where it's high profile. Right. And so it's not like you're doing this out in the country somewhere. This is this is for all to see. And people are looking at what you're doing and getting to witness the creation of what you guys have put together. It'll be interesting to see if they can appreciate what went into that.
2: Yeah, that that's an interesting point. I don't think it's hard for some hard being hard to zoom out sometimes on it from those of us that have been in it for quite a while. But there there was again, there was quite a lot of that went into it. There's a lot of people that went into it. For my team alone. Um, As you can imagine, this long
0: on a project, some people come in and come out of it. A lot of people got the best of some folks. Yeah. Again, now you guys have set yourself up, right, with the success that you are experiencing and hopefully will experience when this is fully revealed. Does this mean that all of a sudden everybody's going to be coming to you guys for more projects like this? Yeah, those guys at Mancini and the folks at Severu and Pavarini, they got it together. They did that TSX project. We need them to do this project. So is that the hope or is it like maybe you need to take a breather before you (laughs) move on to the next (laughs) big project? I hope so. I I think we all learned a
4: tremendous amount from this project and not only from the engineering and the complexity of installation, but obviously, you know, what could actually become the amount of Things that were done on this project that we all just sat there and were just wowed by it was tremendous. It wasn't a day that went by and initial and phases of the project where someone couldn't walk underneath the theater and just would be in awe looking underneath there to see how we were able to excavate underneath the theater as you were describing earlier and at the same time build above. You know, you look at something like that and you understand how they built the pyramid.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of, I've watched, I'm a big documentary guy and I, I watched the documentary of the making of the channel right? Between the UK and France. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, I'm just going to ask you straight up, did anybody document all of this via video as you guys were doing this?
2: Yeah. The developer has a crew that's been documenting most of this over the years.
0: Okay. So maybe we'll see you on a PBS station one night with a, like a full-blown, this is how it went down. And this is the marvel that we see now at the corner of, where is it? What, that's, what corner is that? And that's 18, 1568 Broad. That's 47th Street. 47th So, that's, again, if you live in the city, take it for granted, that stuff is always something going on there. But when you come to the city, and maybe you only visit New York City once or twice every five or 10 years, it's you can take in something like this. So, maybe you were here several years ago, and you remember what that space was like, and then you come to visit in 23 or 24, and you won't even recognize the space.
2: Yeah, for sure. And you make a good point for those of us that live in the area. You see it every day, so it's hard. You don't notice it, but I I would say if somebody did document us, you'd probably see the graying of a lot of our
0: beards over <laughs> <there>. <laughs> Certainly some hair loss over the uh, session. And Ben is keeping a close shave, so you don't see the it's results more of that. So it's so all good. So tell me this I would love to know if in this process, because I know whenever you see large scale projects that are undertaken, that a lot of times they develop new techniques. And were any new techniques developed through this process that you're saying that you're now saying, hey, this is something that we can use moving forward, whether it was from an, purely from an engineering standpoint, maybe from a construction management standpoint, maybe a best practice that came out of the TSX Broadway project that you guys are saying moving forward, we're going to do this more often because we refined it and perfected it on this major project. I'd say there are a
4: lot of one-offs in this project in
0: terms of structural stability.
3: Benny, I mean, you could say the low transfer mechanisms that we employ on the S1 and S2. <laughs> Yeah. We had a lot of, like Joe was saying, a lot of load transfers. We jacked and transferred loads from existing elements to new elements because as we had to dig out a basement below, you can't just take the legs out of the column. You have to slowly take that load and transfer it. Otherwise, you release energy in a quick manner and that could have very disastrous results. Everything had to be done in just the right way. I think we mentioned Howard Shapiro's office, the temporary stability on this job, and they had someone full-time just watching the mechanism and the way that we would transfer loads around to make sure that it was done in a safe manner. But even in the theater lift, there were like, a, Urban had a bunch of different techniques. The jacking posts that they used, the actual post was course sort were of like a under that kind of pushed the theater up, uh, 34 of them. That was a technique that they created where they literally just drilled a 60-foot long hole into the earth and dropped a post into it and used that to lift the theater. And that was a new technique. The system that monitored all the jacks was brought in special for the project, was fabricated special for the project. And it was unique in that it would measure as they were lifting the building. So, there were 34 load points and they would measure the distance each one had lifted. And if one point was lifting a little too high, it automatically shuts it off and transitions. So, you had things like that were unique to the project. And certainly, one of the you know, one of the other things that like we talked about the creating the space above, the post-tension girders that we have above the space, which are basically, if you can imagine, bridge cables slung 135 feet long encased in concrete. And that was a sort of a unique system that's not used much in New York City, but certainly not this size, 44 feet deep, 135 feet long. And I think that that was unique for the space. And really, a lot of it was because of where we were. You couldn't bring in big steel trusses that you can in other places. And we were in a position where we ended up going, I said, they're like bridge cables where you could unroll individual strands of cable, these big coils of cable, and they unrolled them and built these, again, like bridge strands, which they tensioned. And that was material that was easier to be brought into a very tight corner in the busiest intersection of the world. That was certainly unique to the space and something that we may see more of. As a matter yeah. of fact, the bridge was probably one of the most unique elements
4: above the theater. There's over 210,000 lineal feet of post-tension cable using largest diameter post-tension cable manufactured. It was actually shipped over from Europe and installed by structural technology, VSL, out of Maryland. They used a 1,700-pound jack that Benny described that had to actually be lowered from a crane and used to tension the cables to 2 million pounds, which is pretty <laughs> intense. So that's, that's a cool. one off. That's never been done before. So I think we could safely say it's the, the <laughs> highest post tension bridge in North America. I don't know yeah. if it is or not, but I'll say it either yeah, way. It sounds good. Right. Go with the <laughs> joke. Yeah, I was yeah, it. I love that. The, the cap- cables were anchored using massive five inch thick plates, which are custom fabricated. They span, like you said, 140 feet long. The boxers themselves were five feet wide by 30 feet tall. And there was over 750 cubic feet of
3: grout that went into all the attendants. That's a lot of grout. Everything on this job is just bigger. I guess it's the big, principles, yeah. is just math and science. But when you employ them at a much bigger scale, it's got to be done just the right way and with the right precautions.
0: And anything can be done. Who knows? Maybe someone will lift something heavier or bigger. Bill, from an architectural standpoint, was there anything that was either a one-off or something that, wow, what we did on this project, on the TSX project, we're going to buy moving forward.
2: One of the really cool things was how the, the LED lights were embedded into the facade. We took multiple field trips around the country to different, to see different mockups of it. And it started off from something that almost looked like somebody with a hockey puck and some Christmas lights into. What we have now, which is this highly technical embedment into, but just know, and this is where Perkins Eastman did a lot of work as well, was really working to make sure that is waterproof and easy to swap out. If it doesn't LED lights last forever, but forever isn't always forever. (laughs) Finding a way to maintain that and swap it out. So that was really a unique thing that was really cool. And it was cool seeing it over the course of about two years from different mockups, grow from something that seemed like, what are we doing? To holy cow, that's
0: really great. And you can go in there and coordinate, maintain them if you need and do what you have to do. Yeah. No, that that's exciting to hear. I think that, that that information would be helpful to people that are in this space. I have a lot of friends that are design professionals and I know they geek out over this kind of information. So I think it's good to be able to share it. And it's also good to see that There were so many moving parts and you guys were able to have success. And it's one of the things that we talk about in the design industry space is that communication is everything. And I would imagine that communication was the lifeblood for the success that you guys have had on this project. Do you with that?
2: A hundred percent and more so than normal jobs. I would literally we had probably two to three meetings a week. A lot, most of them in my office before they brought the field office for these coordination meetings. And you surpri- you'd you be surprised how much you can calm people down with some nice cookies and pastries and stuff because they get a little heated here and there. But the level of collaboration that really brought on by the developer in housing everybody in the same office, something that was new to me personally, I think is very valuable. Even just from a human standpoint of being able to just send a snarky response to an email, you can't really do that when a person's
0: sitting five feet from you which is good, especially in this day and age. No, I totally understand that. The next question that I have for you guys is, as you're slowly starting to wind this project up, what are some of the biggest takeaways that you had from doing this project, from working together? And how does it inform the way that design professionals are operating now? And in the 21st century, we're into our third decade of the 21st century on projects like this. And It's not to say that this project couldn't have been done 20 years ago. Maybe you couldn't have, but I know with technology being what it is, with there's so many changes happening on a daily basis. What would you say about this project as it informs the design industry standard moving forward for projects like this?
2: One thing I will say is I agree as somebody who was doing this 20 years ago, I don't know how you would have done this 20 years ago when we were all drawing in two dimensions, but... That would have been pretty darn hard with all the coordination
0: for sure. Yeah, Ben, Joe, you guys want to add to that?
3: No, I I think Bill hit it on the head when he said about being together in the field office. As much as everything is modeled in three dimensions and coordinated and phased, and that's all great. But at the end of the day, there's something about sitting in the room and even looking at the model together or even paper on the table that's hard to replace. Even with as much as advanced as we are with our virtual meetings, there's something about being in the room together and really... Working it out. And I think that's something is a takeaway. It's really still worth doing.
2: Even if you go back to those early meetings when we would literally just pull up the Revit model with 20 people in the room and we pull it up and we all see each other's boo boos over there and oopses, which were thankfully before we started construction. But yeah, it's hard to hide from that stuff. So it's, but it's in a good way.
4: Yeah. I, I would, I would agree with you both. And I would say that the level of collaboration that we had was integral to our success. I would also say that thinking outside the box and always coming up with a, Alternative ways or methods of doing was critical and not being afraid of approaching any idea, no, no matter how absurd it would sound. When we initially started this project, there were things that were discussed that I, some people thought were never even possible. Drag massive case on through a cellar, but it, it got done. And I would say I attribute a lot of that to Eric McGovern, who really sat there initially with the initial develop and in, with the developer in the beginning and came up with the concept. Of, Trying to create that space and how to do it and bringing all the right players into the room and really think about how it could be done. And as soon as a problem was encountered, finding a way to work around, finding a solution was always another way of doing it. And it's true. And that's the I think was the key to our success. We would encounter problems on the daily. Every day there was a problem. It wasn't smooth sailing at all. But uh, when we encountered those problems, we'd sit down together, 20, 30 of us sometime in a room, and we'd figure out a solution. To be yelling screaming
0: you name it. but i'll tell you what you know we've obviously figured it out i have a question for you guys and this is this may be from a different approach but and when i worked physically at Zwide group one of the things that i did was executive search and i know that firms always wanted to have that project in their bonnet that they could carry around with them as a hallmark for attracting good talent did this project in any way shape or form for each of you respectively Did it help you guys attract additional talent to your team to come join you? Because again, seven years is a long time. Like you said earlier, people left, right, or people came. But but were you able to leverage the factor of this project at all when it came to recruitment and retention? For us, absolutely.
2: People see it front and center on our website, and they're like, "Oh, maybe I want to work there." The funny thing though is, I always tell everybody, everybody wants to work on a big important tall project until they work on one. And you know, there's, like Joe said, there's, there, there can be some yelling and screaming here and there, but it's all for the best. You do a little crying too. Nah, there's no crying. There's no crying. I will not. any. If any Mancini people cry, tell me
0: I'm going to straighten them.
2: <laughs>
0: They're gone. Don't worry. <laughs> so what was the a couple of questions before we, we wrap this up? A couple of things I had a question about. What was it like having to deal with the city. Again, for the uninitiated, when it comes to New York City, I mean, there are subways everywhere. There's all kinds of things underground, right? It's out here where I am in Arkansas. There's not much underground, but the dirt. But we've, you know, dig safe takes on a whole new meaning in New York City than it does anywhere else. How did that play into this project? So, but you could speak to it, but there there were vibration monitors
4: and sensors located throughout the project and around, on adjacent buildings and sub and cellars around, joining properties and the MTA station, the subway station. We actually were the subway station right on the corner of 47th and 7th, so there's a constant MTA presence on our job site when you do a project in New York City on top of a subway station. And obviously of this size, MTA has an on-site representative from start to finish Monitoring all the work that's being performed, especially when you're in the excavation and foundation stages of the project to make sure that all of a sudden you're, you're not undermining a section of wall that collapses on the sub.
2: One consultant I failed to mention before is Rizzo Group, who is our expediter and code consultant. And we literally, I think, have every regulatory agency in New York City involved in this project, DOB, the landmarks, the MTA, you name it. And okay. they've been an outstanding team member on this project, helping us navigate also a lot of very complex zoning that went into this as well I
3: think throughout we had a really good coordination effort with the building department they were involved very they were brought on very early on to understand the project and and the people there who reviewed the structures really gave us the time to look at it and understand it it's, again, it's a very complicated job it's not something you could just get a piece of paper and look at real quick and pay. we sat with them in meetings in meetings and when we had it ready to go we invited the building department to come down and take a tour and look at it and say hey mm-hmm. it and they were really good partners in helping us walk through the approval process and really keep things moving. And when we had times where we needed quick approvals, because they were involved from day one and they really understood it, it was easy to get them to look at things quickly because they just knew what was going on. Chief for us. Okay.
0: Wow. This, my head is spinning just thinking about this project. And I actually, I have to go to, to New York City this summer, and I'm looking forward to heading on down there to the corner. So, you know, that's not really Iron Man there. I know. (laughs) So I'm going to check that out myself when I get up. Listen, as we wind up, I'd love for you guys, if anybody's listening to this and just maybe they're working on their own version of TSX Broadway, they need some advice or guidance or would just like to bend the ear of somebody that's been there, done that on a large scale project like this. Not that you guys just have a bunch of ample time and that you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs, but If somebody wanted to reach out and connect with you, what's the best way for them to do it? And I'll start with you, Joe, and work up to Ben, and we'll end with Bill.
4: I would say give Everett McGovern (laughs) a call. So
3: that's a good start right there. All right. (laughs) Ben? Yeah, Yeah, you can go to our website, com. S-E-V-E-R-U-D. You can reach out to me. Gina is the principal in charge of the engineer record for the project, mastermind of this whole thing reach out mm-hmm. to him. We're, we're always happy to talk to people. Someone has to do something similar. Come on down to New York or when you're there in New York, happy to give you a tour of the
0: site. Yeah. We're always happy to talk I think it. I'll take you up on that. And you travel too, Ben, because you just said you were in my state, in the natural state doing some work. That's the beauty of design professionals. It's like you guys are needed everywhere, right? It's not just one place. You're responsible for this built environment that we see around us. All of you guys do important work. Bill, you want to add anything to that?
2: Similarly, if you're in New York City, New Jersey area, hit me up. I'm going our website's ManciniDuffy.com
0: or emails are the first initial last name. We'll put all that in the show notes so anybody listening to this episode can reach out to any one of these three fine gentlemen and, uh, and learn more about their experience with the TSX Broadway project. But I want to thank you all for coming yeah. on board, Mancini Duffy, Severud and Pavarini and McGovern. All of the work that your three respective firms are doing are great work. And each of you as individuals, as design professionals, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing and the level of excellence that you provide to our industry. So thank you so much for taking time out to join us here on the Zweig Letter podcast today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much. Well, there you have it, folks. Another episode of the Zweig Letter podcast. To learn more about the Zwig Group, visit Group.com. You can connect with any one of our advisory group team members. You can learn more about the Zweig Letter. It's one of the oldest running newsletters in the design industry. You can also get a free copy of the Zweig Letter delivered right into your email inbox every Monday morning. Just visit ZweigGroup.com and click on the Zweig Letter link there at the top of the menu, and you'll be entered right into just adding your email address, and you'll get a free PDF every Monday. So definitely check that out when you get a chance. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and you're listening to the Zweig Letter Podcast. We'll see you with another brand new episode soon. Peace. Thanks
1: for tuning in to the Zweig Letter
0: Podcast. We
1: hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to the Zweig Letter, Please visit the slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration in addition to information about leadership, finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.